This episode of the Biting Truth podcast is brought to you by IGA Supermarkets, where the locals matter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Biting Truth podcast. This is a weekly podcast that cuts through all of the confusion and misinformation in the nutrition space to give you up-to-date, cutting-edge nutrition advice. My name is Anna, and sitting with me is Alex, and we are the dietitians and the founders of The Biting Truth. Iron is one of the most important nutrients, but many of us struggle to get enough. In fact, it's the most common nutrient deficiency in the world, with approximately a quarter of the world's population being iron deficient. And one in three women of reproductive age also have low iron levels. So in today's episode, we are exploring all things iron, Why is it actually so important? Where do we find it? How can we make sure we're getting enough? And is an iron supplement necessary? So I think a good place to kick things off is why is iron so important? So it's probably not going to come as a big surprise to our listeners that iron plays a pretty darn big role in the body. Um, It helps to transport oxygen around our body. And it's also a really important component of hemoglobin, which is found in our red blood cells. So essentially, and I know this gets a little bit sciencey, but hemoglobin binds and transports oxygen molecules to all the cells in our body. So not having enough iron means you can't make enough healthy red blood cells. And with fewer red blood cells, your body, including your brain, cannot receive enough oxygen and function optimally. And iron plays a particularly important role in pregnancy. And I think this is quite concerning because a very large proportion of pregnant women actually struggle to meet their iron requirements. Yeah. So during pregnancy, iron helps to increase blood volume in mum, as well as to create blood for the growing baby. And a lack of iron in pregnancy can lead to developmental issues in the baby. So some common signs of low iron, and I think this is really, really important that for those listening to take note of these common signs, because if you experience even just a few of these on a regular basis, then we would really encourage you to speak with your doctor. So we want to be looking out for ongoing tiredness and lethargy. So even if you're, you know, if you feel like you're getting enough sleep, you're resting and you're still feeling really tired, then this bit could be a cause for concern. Yeah, like almost when you're tired without a reason, like you're just like, I don't know why I'm always tired. There's a good chance it's related to iron levels. And I find that in terms of the clients we see, it's one of the most common reasons that people feel really tired is due to low iron levels, particularly in women. Yeah. And also finding it hard to concentrate, feeling really distracted, um, feeling dizzy is another big common sign that we see, um, low moods and also um, frequent infections or wounds that take a long time to heal. Now, there's a few reasons um, as to why people uh, can be low in, in iron and why it is the most common nutritional deficiency in the world. So firstly, not getting enough iron in your diet is a major reason that people can be low in iron. Essentially, if you don't eat enough foods that are rich in iron, then your body can't make enough iron to top up your stores. Um, And so this is quite commonly seen in vegans or vegetarians where they're not getting enough iron in their diet. And therefore, when they get a blood test, um, it'll come up as, as being low in iron. Yeah, and a bit later in today's episode, we'll delve into how much iron you actually need and talk about where we find iron in food. Poor iron absorption can also be another reason for low iron. So 
for some people, even though they might be eating enough iron in their diet, they may still have low iron levels. And this could be due to them having problems absorbing iron. And in these situations, it's really important to seek individual medical advice. And we would really recommend the help of a dietitian. Um, and this is something that we'll often see in people with celiac disease or someone with irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, Paul, iron absorption in people with celiac disease and, and, and IBS. Another one is blood loss. So when blood is lost every month during menstruation, the iron within the red blood cells is also lost. If monthly iron intake and absorption doesn't replace the iron lost during your period, you can then end up with low iron levels. And people with heavy menstrual bleeding are more susceptible to becoming deficient in iron. Um, it can also actually be seen in people who experience nosebleeds regularly and also people with chronic disorders like ulcers or polyps. It can also be seen in situations where, where we see chronic blood loss. So this might be during childbirth or as a result of an injury. Um, iron deficiency is quite common in these situations. It can also be in because there are certain times in life when we have increased needs or an increased requirement for iron. So that's really any time when growth and development is increased, the body's going to need more iron. So examples of these situations would be teenage growth spurts, as we mentioned during pregnancy, also breastfeeding. So these are particularly important times when iron needs are increased. And if your increased needs are not met, it's then easy to become iron deficient. Iron deficiency can also be more common in people who exercise a lot. So athletes who train regularly become iron deficient because their body's requirements for iron are slightly higher. So essentially, if you train all the time, that increases production of red blood cells and that in turn requires more iron to match that turnover. And iron is also lost through sweating. So again, if you're not increasing your intake, then you're going to get become, you could become deficient. In some cases, your body actually becomes better at absorbing the iron. So we see that happens in, in people like vegetarians and vegans. Their bodies become better at absorbing the iron because they're getting less in there, but that doesn't happen all the time, unfortunately. So where we find iron in food. So we can find iron in a variety of foods and we can also get iron from supplements. But when it comes to food, there are different types of iron found in food. We have two types of iron. We have heme iron and non-heme iron. Now, heme iron is the type of iron that comes from animal sources. So probably what we think of when we think of iron foods, things like beef, lamb, chicken and fish. And a general rule of thumb is that the redder the meat, the more iron it contains. Generally, these heme sources of iron are more easily absorbed by our body. And then we also have non-heme iron sources, which are found um, in plant-based sources. So things like beans, legumes, nuts, fortified breakfast cereals. And unfortunately, this non-heme iron isn't as well absorbed by our body. Yes. Yeah, so I think the research says around 20 to 35% of heme iron, so the ones that come from animal sources, um, 25 to 35 are absorbed from the gut, whereas only 2 to 5% of non-heme iron is absorbed. So therefore, you need to eat considerably more non-heme iron to absorb the same amount. Yeah. And this is why eating red meat, fish or poultry can really boost iron absorption in the body. Um, but it's also important to eat a variety, so also including non-heme iron sources. Yeah, so ideally you're looking at a combination of the heme and the non-heme if you can. 
However, we do just want to make it really clear that eating iron in the diet does not guarantee good iron status. And I have lots of clients that eat plenty of really rich sources of iron, but they still they still have low iron levels. And that's because absorption of iron is quite complex. And as we've just spoken about, it's influenced by lots of different factors. We are going to take a quick break now to mention our podcast sponsors. IGA know the importance of local better than anyone because if fresh is what you're looking for, it has to be local. It's why they source delicious fresh produce from local suppliers wherever they can and why every supermarket is independently owned by local families. You'll find that the shelves are stacked with everything a local community needs and that each store is unique and tailored to their local community's taste. So if you're looking for a supermarket where locals matter, Hop into your local IGA today. Okay, so how much iron do we actually need to eat every day? Yeah, so let's have a look specifically. So if we start with men, so men need about eight milligrams of iron a day. And if we compare this to women, women in their reproductive years, so between the ages of 19 to 50, they require 18 milligrams of iron per day. So it's quite a bit more. And this can be hard to achieve, but it's definitely doable through diet. As we mentioned earlier, if you're pregnant, this increases quite significantly. So you would need about 27 milligrams of iron per day. And then once women reach the age of 50 or they go through menopause, their iron requirements drop down to about eight milligrams per day. Yeah, so that increase in requirements is very much related to you know females getting their periods and therefore losing iron and needing to replace that. And I guess to put this in perspective, I know these are sort of just numbers, but um, so if the average uh, female needs 18 grams a day. Um, 18 milligrams. 18 milligrams, <laughs> sorry, if you're not um, pregnant. 100 grams or like a serving of beef will contain around three milligrams of iron um, or two wheat beaks, you're going to find around two and a half milligrams of iron. So you can see in order to reach your requirements, you do need to put a little bit of thought into it and you need to make sure that you're getting some iron at each of your main meals. So you don't need to remember the exact requirements, of course, but just paying attention and making sure you're planning out your meals and snacks. And we generally say to our clients, if you're following dietary guidelines, you should be able to meet your iron requirements. So what I mean by that, if you're getting roughly two pieces of fruit, five serves of veggies, four to six serves of carbohydrates, two to three serves of meats or alternatives, and two to three serves of dairy, you can rest assured that you'll be getting enough iron because it's found in plenty of those food groups. Now, given the body isn't as efficient at absorbing the non-heme iron, so the, the iron that we find in plant sources, there's a few things to consider if your diet mostly consists of these types of iron sources. And this is probably really important for people with low iron levels or vegans or vegetarians to listen to these tips. Yeah, so what we would say is try to consume iron-rich foods in your diet with a source of vitamin C. So for example, if you're having some chickpeas or another sort of legume, so it might be lentils, making sure you're having that with a source of vitamin C. So it might be some cherry tomatoes, some capsicum or some lemon juice, for example. We'd also encourage you to cook your non-heme iron sources. So in many cases, actually cooking the food increases the available iron. So therefore your body is going to absorb more. And I think people might be surprised by that because often we kind of think, you know, if we eat the food raw, we're going to get more nutrients. But in the case of non-heme iron sources, 
cooking it is actually going to give you more available iron. And, and we're not saying that you should cook every single meal to increase iron. It makes quite a small difference, but occasionally cooking it can be helpful. And, and I guess in terms of cooking and nutrient absorption, cooking increases and decreases other nutrients. So a variety of cooking methods is really the ideal here. Um, and in addition to being a good source of heme iron, eating red meat, fish and, and chicken can also help um, absorb non-heme iron because these foods actually contain a special compound that enhances non-heme iron absorption. There are also some substances in foods and drinks that can inhibit iron absorption. So that's because they bind to iron in the gut so that it passes through the gastrointestinal tract unabsorbed. And this includes substances like tannins and polyphenols, which we find in tea and coffee, oxalates, which we find in spinach, and phytates, which we find in high-fibre foods and legumes. And whilst many of these foods we know are very beneficial for other reasons, people following a vegetarian diet really need to pay particular attention to these and be aware of, of their impact on iron absorption. And you can combat these by including iron absorption enhancers. So as we said, vitamin C with your meals and also making sure that you're holding off on things like tea and coffee for at least an hour after a meal. So rather than having, say, a tea with breakfast or a tea with a meal, try and have it afterwards. And one final thing to consider is that other nutrients, so specifically calcium and zinc, can also compete with iron for absorption. And this isn't necessarily a really big issue in the context of a balanced diet, but if you do take uh, another mineral supplement, that can interfere with your iron absorption. So what ideally you want to do is separate your iron-rich meals from high sources of calcium. So again, we don't really recommend, say, having a glass of milk with your main meal um, because that might slightly inhibit the absorption of uh, iron. Um, now, this is, again, particularly um, important for people who have low iron levels or vegetarians or vegans. For everyone else, it's not going to make a huge difference. And so before we finish off today's episode, we just wanted to talk about iron supplements because we've obviously spoken a lot about food, but I think you know many of you might be wondering whether or not you need to take an iron supplement. And they're one of the most common supplements that people take, so definitely important to discuss. Yeah, and so if you do go to your doctor and you get a blood test and you have low iron, usually the initial treatment will involve an iron supplement to help improve your iron status quickly and prevent you from progressing to iron deficiency anemia. In more severe cases, though, you would probably need to have an iron infusion. And it is really important to assess why you might be low in iron. As we mentioned, there are different reasons. So it might be related to your diet. Maybe you're not getting enough iron in. Maybe you're exercising a lot and you aren't increasing your your intake. It might be related to poor absorption or there might be an underlying condition such as celiac or IBS. Yeah, and if you do take iron supplements, you really need to try and be diligent about it. I guess this is with all supplements. <laughs> so that, it's so hard though. <laughs> so there's not much point only remembering to take the supplement once a week. You need to take it daily or every second day as prescribed by your doctor. Some supplements combine iron and vitamin C and that's really great because that can increase absorption. What we would say as well is to make sure that you get tested again, say three to six months later, just to see how your iron levels are going and if it's still necessary for you to be taking that supplement because you never want to be taking a supplement if you don't have to. And particularly because with iron supplements, there can be side effects. So things like constipation, black or darkened poo, bloating, nausea, 
Um, And that's why a supplement should really only be a short-term sort of treatment. But we do find that there are different ways that you can combat some of these side effects. So you might find that taking the supplement with meals rather than on an empty stomach might help with, say, the nausea that you might experience. Or if you're someone that experiences constipation with an iron supplement, then perhaps taking it with a fiber supplement can help. But um, yeah, definitely it would obviously depend on the type of supplement that you're taking and, and your doctor's advice. Or if you're working with a dietitian, they can also help manage things like the constipation. Yeah. And I think the important thing here is that no one should be self-diagnosing an iron supplement. You really want to make sure your doctor has recommended that you take this because they can cause, as Alex just mentioned, unnecessary digestive issues. Um, and some people can end up having too much in their system as well if you're taking a supplement and you don't need it. So make sure that you get a blood test and you only are taking iron supplements as recommended by your doctor. And then you're getting, you know, review blood tests down the track. So you're not just taking them for years um, and it's not necessary. So that wraps up our episode for today on iron. Thank you so much for listening to the Biting Truth podcast by hosts Anna and Alex. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would absolutely love for you to give us a rating and a review and to follow our podcast. That's all for today. We will be back next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.